This week's episode made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com. Good morning, Memphis. You're listening to Meanwhile in Memphis on WYXR Radio 91.7 FM. And Meanwhile in Memphis is brought to you by New Memphis, a local leadership development nonprofit that specializes in developing, activating, and retaining talent to the city of Memphis. So happy Tuesday to you on this election day. I have a new, not new, I guess, co-host. You've been in here before a couple of weeks ago in early November. Um, actually, last week. Yeah, right. right after. Yeah. yeah. Not too long ago. Right after Halloween. Um, so introduce yourself to those who may not know who you are, Caleb. Hello, my name is Caleb Fowler. I'm the manager of collegiate engagement at New Memphis, and it's a pleasure being here. Yay. I'm excited to have you. We have a New Memphis alumnus in the studio today. In just a moment, we will get into our conversation with John Bass, who is the Associate Professor of Music and Director of the Mike Curb Institute for Music at Rhodes College. But before we get into that, we have a few more housekeeping um, announcements. We have an upcoming panel discussion, Building Community Downtown, this Thursday. So like 48 hours from now. Well, not right now, depending on when you're listening. But it is on Thursday, November 10th at the Hilton Memphis. And our panelists include um, Kevin Kane, Floyd Tyler, Carol Coletta, Roy Th- Rory Thomas, sorry, Rory, um, and our moderator will be Penelope Houston of Downtown Memphis Commission, and Paul Young is also giving a keynote. So um, it is free to attend. You can uh, head on over to newmemphis.org slash events to RSVP just to let us know you're coming. But it is, again, a lunch event on November 10th at the Hilton Memphis, and we are excited to talk about all things downtown. We also have TEDx Memphis early bird tickets available for purchase at TEDx-Memphis.com. Prices will increase on December 1st, so just a few weeks, dear listener. These are the lowest prices of the season. 2023 TEDx Memphis will be held at Crosstown Theater on February 11th, 2023. And this year's theme is Truth or Dare. Um, Effie Johnson will be our host. She is well-known around the community, but she's also the president and CEO of Neighborhood Christian Centers, Inc. We also have a few exciting um, TED Talk speakers, I guess that's what they're called, um, confirmed. A few of those are Kelly English, Carmian Hamilton, Dwayne Spencer, Lawanette Williams, Kirk Whalum, Sam O'Brien, Rashawn Austin, and Fletcher Cleaves, to name a few. Um, and you can also learn more about TEDx Memphis 2023 at newmemphis.org. So go ahead and grab your early bird tickets. They are the lowest prices, again, that they will be all season. The prices will increase on December 1st. Um, and I would also ask that if you like what you hear every week on this radio show and podcast, that you give us a five-star rating while you're in the app. Write us a glowing review wherever you listen to your podcast. And most importantly, subscribe to never miss an episode. So in this season of giving, I also wanted to share with you a quote from a donor about why they give to New Memphis. Um, In a couple of weeks, we will have a full episode donated to Giving Tuesday airing on November 29th, which is Giving Tuesday. Um, But this is from David Cup, who is a graduate of Fellows S20. And he says, given the events over the past few years, I give to New Memphis now more than ever to keep the good work and positive impact on the community leadership growth and development thriving. Every donation counts. And we would agree, David. We agree wholeheartedly. There is no donation too small and no donation too large. That's what we always like to say. So 
Now that you have um, held on tight for the housekeeping, we are very excited to get into our conversation with Fellows alum, John Bass. Tell us a little bit about yourself, John Bass, face of the Fellows. Um, that's, that's funny. So, um, I, yeah, so uh, I grew up in Mobile, Alabama. Oh, okay. Um, and went to high school there. Uh, went to college and University of Southern Mississippi in Hattiesburg. Mm-hmm. Um, met my wife there, uh, Johnny. Uh, so we are no kidding, John and Johnny Bass. So oh my, yeah, no kidding. is that confusing? Yeah. Well, I guess you don't have a house phone, but like in the old days when you had a house phone, oh. if like someone were like, "Hey," yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and totally. Like in college, I, I we met and we were friends for a while. And I didn't ask her out for months because I was like, "She's, she, you know, I really dig her," but. Really we have the same it's name, better. you know, it's just, it's just, it's not meant I got to be. over myself yeah. uh, eventually. Um, and so we, 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 um, uh, moved to Memphis in 2000. Okay. Um, so Start actually, of the millennium. yeah, we did. We actually, I, uh, proposed to her on Y2K. <gasps> no kidding. Well, just, I love how hopeful that is though. I, yeah. Well, if she were here on this other microphone, uh, the, the next part of the, of the story would be, she would say that because he thought the world was going to end the next <laughs> day. So, so. <laughs> so it wasn't because you were like, this is totally a hoax and we're going to live our wonderful life. But no, yeah, either way, yeah, I you mean, had to lock it down. Right, right. right. It was just, it was just the moment and, um, you know, really grateful. So we moved to Memphis. Uh, we both got, uh, um, assistantships at the University of Memphis to come to grad school here. Oh, cool. um, I studied jazz guitar. Uh, my, uh, Johnny studied audiology. Um, I'll give you a guess at who got a, job out of school with those <laughs> degrees. Um, uh, so she, um, uh, so Johnny, uh, she's, uh, she works at St. Jude. She's been there oh, for cool. 20 years now. That's she's a research audiologist wow. and just does ama- amazing research and amazing work there. Um, and uh, when I was, when I was, uh, so after I finished my master's, I continued on and did my PhD at the University of Memphis. And that's when I um, uh, started working at Rhodes first as an adjunct professor. Um, and then eventually sort of did more and more things, um, became the director of the Mike Curb Institute for Music. Um, um, and eventually changed over. And uh, this past year, I was just uh, tenured and uh, over the spring semester, Ooh, which was very exciting. Congratulations. So it only took me 18 years, you know, but that, that's, that's, those two's counting, right? Yes. You know? And so, so, um, it, so for me, uh, we, we moved to Memphis uh, in 2000. I think we both thought we would probably stay a few years and go somewhere else. You know, it was mm-hmm. an opportunity specifically tied to an opportunity we got at the school yeah. that we came to. So you're like, okay, fine. And, um, you know, and, and so like so many other people, right, 22 years later, we're sitting here and our kids are native Memphians. We have two, we have two kids. Ella is a senior, I mean, a junior at White Station. And then our son, Nate, is an eighth grader at STEAM. Um, and so our kids are native Memphians. Um, yeah, we just, you know, been part of the city. I've been, I've been, uh, I'm a musician. And so I've been playing guitar, uh, for a long time. And, and, um, you know, it really it, for, for me, a guiding principle has been since I was 13, like a lot of the decisions in my life have been, how do I keep a guitar in my hands just like a little bit longer, you know, and it's I led me that. in some different directions. Yeah. Um, but it's been the thing that, you know, has been sort of grounding this whole time. And I, and I still play, I, I, you know, I, I'm fortunate to where, um, you know, I have a good network of friends in the city. I get to play a lot. Um, so I still get to do that. And in addition to, you know, working at roads um, and, you know, the city for, for me, I, I thought I was going to move here and learn how to play guitar a little bit better, right? Um, and as I was going out and trying to get gigs, it became 
clear to me that it wasn't only a question of how I played, but if I was going to work in this city, I needed to understand what it meant to be a musician in Memphis, you know, Ooh, and that's something yeah. I didn't really, you know, it, it took me a while to, to, to figure that out. Um, but there's this tradition and there's this sense of weight to Memphis music, you know, and it, it, as much as, as, as important as, as it is to, you know, to be good at your craft and to, you know, and, and do all that, it's important to, you know, to recognize the sort of opportunity you have to work here. And then everybody who's come before, um, the, the complications of the city, um, we call those opportunities, the opportunities, it's, you know, (laughs) it's beautiful and it's complicated and it's not, you know, um, you run into all kinds of things, but, but, but there's a togetherness really. And the, Mm -hmm. the music community is a reflection of that here. You know, there's, there's, um, yeah, it's just it's you get to know people. It's it's really easy once you make that turn and you say that the music from this place really means something to me. That's when it all opens up, right? And that's when you know. I always tell my students like you, whenever people are musicians are around, they just stop dropping names, you know. And I said it, it can get you know overwhelming. I said just put a couple of names in your pocket that you can drop in there and you yeah. just sort of get in the, get in the door too. So, um, that was my sort of introduction to Memphis. And then that, that frame for me and for my students, um, yeah, it, it just opened up. And then, uh, that's what I say, you know, so, so it may not be playing the guitar that opens you up to the sort of the narrative of Memphis, but the story is the same a lot. So, so it's, it's find your, what is your thing? Right. And, and put that frame on the city. Um, so that's a little bit, you know, I mean, that's sort of winding in the way that, no. the way that I tell stories sometimes. But it's uh, the secret sauce to Memphis yeah. music. I mean, good, it's any know. good adventure, you know, any good journey has a, little, a few little detours that turn out to be the main main road after mm-hmm. all. So I love that when Memphis becomes the main road. I'm always right. glad right, to hear right, it. Right, right, right. You mm-hmm. thought, well, yeah, this is a stop. And then, you know, at some point it's like, oh, this is home. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. Well, I'm curious, do you have any upcoming gigs for the holiday season at the end of November, throughout December, or early January that we should kind Let's of see. Um, keep actually, an eye actually on? tomorrow, November 9th, um, I'll be playing with a, a B side. Oh, um, right. Yeah, so it's eight, yeah. To, 8 to 10, I think, with Gary Topper's. Um, um, uh, Symmetry Jazz Band. It's 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 a project I've been really fortunate to be a mm-hmm. part of. Um, so yeah, that's that's actually tomorrow night. That'll be really exciting. Wow, I'm on I love the that. timing. Um, yeah. Yes. So um, and then um, yeah, there's uh, uh, some more things. Uh, you know, a lot of there'll be probably be some private things that come up and yeah. you know and stuff like that. that but that's the one thing that's on my calendar that yes. if people want to check out, that'd be great. Besides tomorrow night. Besides, that's awesome. Right? I love to hear it. Um, it's exciting too that you have been able to keep the guitar in your hand in that way. The thing that you said, you kind of based a lot of decisions on Mm -hmm. and that you still get to have that outlet. You're not just solely an educator or teacher. For for sure. And and that's, it's become part of my, you know, it's, it's also become part of my sort of scholarship. It's what I research. It's what I teach, you know? And so being able to, and it is something I'm really grateful for, you know, out of all the, you know, just, just like with so many people, like things get busy and you're, you know, go from meeting to meeting to meeting and you're in, you know, just trying to scramble around. But to be able to sit with, you know, some really smart, engaged young people and either make music together or talk about how to make music or talk about issues surrounding music, you know, I, I, I don't take that lightly. And it's, it's, it, it's a really... Um, 
it's just really powerful. And like, and, you know, I talk to other people and they, a lot of people don't get to do that in their jobs. Right. And so that's what, you know, what I really love about teaching at Rhodes and love about higher education is constantly engaging with, you know, the people who are going to be the next change makers, you know, and that's the, that, that's it. And it's, it's just constantly, it's just to be into that situation to hear sort of the cutting edge ideas and to hear the new perspectives on things that, that, that successive generations are bringing. Um, uh, it, it, it keeps me, you know, getting out of bed and driving to driving to work in the morning. I love it. I love that kind of synergy with what we do here at new Memphis also with our leadership development programs, kind of where that magic is of everybody kind of collaborating and being together to see what kind of new innovations and ideas can come out for the next generation of leaders in our city. So it's fun. Absolutely. And, um, and so, yeah, I'm a a graduate of the fellows program and the face of the fellows too for for a time. So once you see his, his beautiful headshot, dear listener, um, you will probably like, huh, I've seen him around. I, I, I do. I do have, it does have, you know, it's, 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 um, it's funny. Like I even say, but it's like every once in a while, somebody will stop me and say, you look really familiar. And you know, it's like, have you by chance uh, been applied to the new Memphis Institute? I'm on a poster. Yeah. 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 So it's like, that's probably where you've seen yes, me. He was yeah. the face of the fellows that's, for a time. That's, that's funny. Yes. Um, but no, it really was, um, it was a transformational experience for me. Um, with great, it met a lot of wonderful people, um, but really coming through academia um, and, you know, as a musician, it was one of the first opportunities I had to, like, explore myself in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, I'd never even taken the Myers-Briggs before I, you know, joined the Fellows. So, yeah. like, you know, some people, like, you know, did it every year. And I was like, well, this is amazing, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. I didn't know this about myself. And then to learn um, really about the ideas of, collaborative and building through community, um, that actually transformed a lot of my teaching. And so, um, uh, a lot, so, so a lot of what I, what I, what I did in the years after that, um, is directly related to that experience that, that I had there. And it really is the basis, uh, that we used to, to build the Curve Institute at Rhodes. Um, and this sort of idea of building not, you know, community, and then products come out of the building the community, not building a community around a goal or something. So um, I, I owe a lot of, you know, a lot of structural things, a lot of ideas to my experience with New Memphis, and um, which is why I was really excited to be here talking to you all today. Yay, I love it. Um, we're going to take a quick break to let our listeners hear a little bit about the Fellows Program, and we will be right back. Level up with New Memphis Fellows. Established in your career, but feel something's missing? Let New Memphis complete the puzzle. The New Memphis Fellows Program is a leadership development experience for mid-career leaders. Designed for high-performing professionals already excelling in their careers and impacting our community. New Memphis Fellows will amplify your power with connections, skills, and experiences. Level up on your career and apply for Fellows today. Visit newmemphis.org for more information. You are listening to Meanwhile in Memphis, brought to you by New Memphis, and we are chatting with John Bass. He is the Associate Professor of Music and Director of the Mike Curb Institute for Music at Rhodes College. He is also a Fellows alum um, right here at New Memphis. And so before the break, we were talking a little bit about how your Fellows experience kind of 
led you into some of the work at the Curb Institute. And so I would love for you to talk about what the Mike Curb Institute for Music is and how it got started. Uh, absolutely. So the, the Mike Curb Institute for Music is an endowed program we have at the college. So Mike Curb yes. set, up the, set up the program. Mike Curb is a record executive from Nashville. Um, founder we, won't, of, we won't hold it against a him. Founder of Curb Records, <laughs> yeah. right. Um, uh, uh, grew up in California, um, was just super successful. Uh, got his early start writing songs. Uh, his first break was he wrote the uh, Honda motorcycle jingle. Everybody looks good on a Honda, which was Dang. you know it was, it was an advertising campaign right, for years. Yeah. He was the president of MGM Records for a long time, and that was actually where he began his connection with Memphis and with Tennessee. Um, uh, MGM was a distributor for some of the labels here in town, okay. so he got to know some of the music here. Um, and um, it, it was president there for a long time. He was actually lieutenant governor of California for a little while. Oh, and uh, career. It, 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 the acting governor went so the history when, when uh, uh, Jerry Brown ran against Ronald Reagan in 1980, Jerry Brown was the governor. And so he had to step down while he ran the campaign. And so Mike Kerr became the acting governor of California during the period. So it's just, it's just, what? it's just wild. Um, he's equally as famous in NASCAR racing as he is in music as curb racing as his team. <laughs> um, but he moves to, he moves to Tennessee. He moves to, to Nashville. He founds curb records, um, which is, it's the largest independent label in the country. Um, it's an independent label, but like Lyle Lovett and Leanne Rhymes. Right. And I was about to say, yes. Label. Um, very, very successful. Um, uh, uh, one thing he he talked about for a long time is what he calls the Tennessee music miracle. Mm-hmm. And the way he frames it is that he believes music from Tennessee, Memphis and Nashville sort of changed the course of the 20th century. And a lot of his philanthropy has been to reinforce this. And he's, he's, in, he's, he's invested in um, uh, particularly institutions of higher education. So a lot of people know about the uh, Curb School of Music business at Belmont. Mm-hmm. So it's the same Person same, same okay. program. He's endowed programs at Vanderbilt and Fisk and Arizona State and California Northridge, like lots of schools around the country. Um, and uh, at Rhodes, he set up the Mike Curb Institute for Music originally in 2006. And the idea really is just to dig into the Memphis music story a little bit deeper. Like we all. We all know the sort of, you know, there's a lot of things we know. We can talk about Elvis. We can talk about Stax and Otis Redding. We can talk about Al Green. um, You know, talk about the blues. And you could stop there and it would be amazing, right? Like, oh, job well done, you know? Um, But it's so much deeper than that. And the the idea is sort of what I I was talking a little bit about my own personal journey is is learning about Memphis music through jazz. When 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 I did that, I just, it became amazing how deep and how far back and how influential Memphis was. And I was, you know, I was, I did this and I didn't really even know. And so I learned that and that's what, and that's the idea about just the the Memphis music story. What's your frame on? That's what I talk about with students. So jazz was my frame. If you want to learn more about Memphis jazz, let's go, you know, it's great. (laughs) Um, But what are you bringing to the table? You know, are you a punk musician? Do you dig hip hop? Do you, are you a classical player? Um, you know, are, um, gospel, um, bring that to the table, put that frame over it and see where Memphis leads you. And it's, mm-hmm. it always leads in some really interesting directions. And so, um, the, I've been the director now for 12 years. I started in 2010. Congratulations. And, uh, thank you. Uh, and, uh, as we've gone, it's evolved a little bit. So, um, a lot of people will know about the, the, the Curb Institute from some of the events we've done. Um, 
we were fortunate to have to bring some really great artists back artists like Charles Lloyd and George Coleman um, um, Jesse Winchester um, so to find a a venue to have these historically significant events and talks. Um, so a lot of people around Memphis know us for that. Um, and then it evolved though, you know, right, not too long after I went through the fellows program, um, I was noticing that, you know, we had these great events, but probably more people around town knew about curb than on campus, hmm. you know, and it wasn't really a part of the like life of students at the college in ways. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, it was around the time I went through the New Memphis Fellows Program. A shout out to S14, everybody. Um, and, uh, and, and, and really looking at it differently about, you know, it's not so much about what we do. It's about how we do things together, right? And this idea of building communities with the, the hub is Memphis music, but abilities to bring yourself into that, you know, and to you know, just fully bring yourself into that situation. What gifts do you, can you bring to the table? What gifts does somebody else bring? What interest does somebody else bring? And let's put these together and then ha- and then from there, what do we want to build? You know? Um, and so um, that's, that was the model that started. I, 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 I we got a Mellon grant. I got a, um, a uh, part of this to start a new class. Uh, it's called Music and Community in Memphis. Ooh. And so it's become the Curb Institute class. Um, it's the onboarding class of the Curb Institute. You basically become a Curb Fellow, which is, um, you know, it's what we call experiential learning. It's learning through doing, you know. Okay. And so we don't have a major, we don't have a minor in music business. Um, it's not a program in that sense um, because we're a liberal arts institution. And okay. so the idea is come to Rhodes and explore the liberal arts. And so rather than having music business majors, the idea is to have music majors and business majors and urban studies majors and Africana studies majors and philosophy majors around the same table and bringing all that wealth of knowledge into our space and then doing things with it, you know, creating records, right. making zines, doing these sorts of things that are interesting, but always with this sort of community mindset. And um, uh, it's it's been exciting. It's been growing. Uh, it's now, you know, larger than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it, we're, we're excited because even during the pandemic, when it seemed like even just being in rooms was hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not only did sort of it maintain, but it became that sense of community. It really reinforced that because it became a way for us to check in with each other, not necessarily to do the work we were going to do, but like, just how, how are you doing? Yeah. You know, like, what do you need? Like, let's, let's, you know, then our community, because we'd, we'd done this community, we'd spent so much time intentionally about that the community sort of took over and, and took care of itself. And now it's, it, it, so it grew during the pandemic, which was unusual. Um, And uh, it's larger than it's ever been. Um, It's exciting. We've, we've just got, you know, just some exciting news. Billboard just named this as a, as a top music business school. Uh, And uh, for the second time, um, uh, which is, it's really exciting. It's strange. Mm-hmm. Granted, <laughs> I, I, I imagine most people that see that is strange. And, 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 and uh, you know, full clarity, we, you know, a top music business school that doesn't have a music it's business program. school. Yeah. Uh, so that's very much the case. Right. That's so funny. Yeah. So, but, um, it, and really the, the thing that we're excited about is that we, Billboard highlighted this idea of this sort of, 
you know, different way of approaching this this sort of industry-based learning through the liberal arts, you know. Not to say that the, the traditional models are, are wrong or that there's, you know, but this is another way of approaching it, you know, and it's built upon the strength of roads, um, you know, versus sort of trying to create a program that, you know, like, a, like that would be at another place. Yeah. Okay, so that's interesting to me that that is what makes it unique, too, other than any of the other kind of programs that you would see at any other college, even at a liberal arts, or are there other music majors at liberal arts colleges? Yeah, I don't no, know. we definitely have music majors, yeah. Sure. So, so Caleb's a Rose grad. Yeah, so, I was about so, to say, uh, yeah, Caleb. So, yeah, so wait, give it maybe some student perspective on that. Yeah. Like, even, it's been you know. several years since I was a student, though, John, but... You can do it down, um, yeah. I yes, know, it has been that long, come on. A little bit. <laughs> I had a stint in there working at Rhodes as well, but... Yes. Um, Yes, I think with liberal arts concept, you can be a music major, and that's pretty common at liberal arts schools. But the music business is a separate kind of thing. In fact, business um, business departments are not so common at liberal arts schools. So combining that with music and say, all right, we're going to put this together into an actual major, that's more rare. And so that's okay. what has been really impressive about uh, the Mike Kerb Institute at Rhodes is the fact that you could be named a top music business program, but not even have your name fit the category and somehow you can still be one of those. So that's really impressed me over the years, uh, John, to see you guys doing that work and sending students off into the music business profession and industry um, without going the traditional route, but they still have the skill sets, they have the knowledge and they have the heart that'll allow them to succeed. And I'd love to hear a bit more about what your students have gone on to do after being fellows and being immersed in that experience. It, that's been, that's been exciting to see. No, no thanks. I, I appreciate that perspective a lot. Um, and so Building this up, and I mean, it was a fair question whether, whether is this going to work? Are students going to sure. be able to get jobs? You know, and so always a good question. Um, yeah. so, 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 thankfully, yes, you know, is the answer. Uh, Perfect answer. Yeah, and um, billboard agrees, right? <laughs> but 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 it is sort of, um, and and it was again, it was something that that came out of my experience in the feds, like like the idea of building from strength, um, and like if you're going to start a music business program at Rhodes. Our strengths are this really strong liberal arts tradition, mm-hmm. right? Um, that that's that's sort of the the ethos there. Um, we're in Memphis. That's another sort of inherent advantage that mm-hmm. we have, um, you know. And so we're we're in the middle of this 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 um, you know really rich area um, that's not only historically rich, but it continues to be a hub of activity, mm-hmm. right? And, yeah. and young creativity. Um, and so building from there and then building upon this idea of, um, of you know, the how, how does it fit from there? And th- some other initiatives were going on. With it. We had the, this fellowship program, which really was sort of paid experiences for students to do experiential learning. You know, so we the, the opportunity to do work with community partners, you know, and so okay. learning, you know on the job with people who do these kind of things every day, right? Versus, you know, a lot of theoretical, like... Um, textbook. Textbook yeah. learning. And so um, it's a different way of approaching it. Um, and uh, the, the the two things I, would, I always sort of say to sort of help frame it is that, you know, it's it, when, I, when I have students go out from roads, you know, let your, let your degrees show how you think about the world. You know, um, you know, what are the what are the questions you want to ask about the world? Let your what you major in minor and show that and then let your resume show what kind of work you can do. And so it's a sort of it combines this. So the your major, you know, will show, 
you know, this really rich, unusual, diverse path that you've taken toward your learning. And then programs like the Curb Institute, and there's, there's other programs we have at Rhodes that do this as well, give you actual tangible things that you've done. So you can graduate with a, with a really unique urban studies and Africana studies degree, but you've produced records and you've um, produced events. And so you have mm-hmm. event management skill, you have production skills, yep. you know, that you can actually market. And then so we work a lot with students about how to frame that um, for other people. Um, and then um, I also tell students to be the weird candidate in the pool, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah. like if you're going for a music business job in the sea of music business majors, be the weird major that they say, what? Yeah, and they what look, is that? Now, now, they're looking, now, now they're looking at your resume, right? Mm-hmm. It's because you... It's a win-win. Yeah, yeah so... Um, and, you know, and, that, and that's the way we built it because, um, again, the idea of building from strength, and that's, um, you know, as I talked to... I've talked to other, you know, people at other places, and it's not replicate this model exactly. That's, these are just the strengths that we had. But, you know, what are, the, what are some of the unique resources that you might have or your area might have and how can you build from that? Um, and again, I, I want to say that it's not, it's not that this is the way to do it. There's many, many really wonderful programs. We're on this list with a lot of amazing programs. Um, um, and in fact, it's interesting, Mike Kerb, uh, there's several on there that he I was has, wondering that whenever uh, you said that there were a lot of those kind of institutes, I wondered how many times his name pops up there's on a, there's that a, there's list. A, there's, a, there's a lot. <laughs> um, which, 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 which again is, is really like you know remarkable when thinking about how this idea of investing you know especially in the sort of future of, of, of people is paying off right mm-hmm. I mean he really is providing opportunities for a lot of students to you know become the next generation of you know people who are thinking about the industry and thinking about art and you know and um, you know business and you know in the next generation it, from a lot of different, I and mean, there's a lot of pathways to it that he's created as well. And ours is just one of them. Um, but that, that is remarkable. We, we, you know, we've had students that have, have gone on, you know, um, they've gotten jobs with places like WME in Nashville, mm-hmm. um, William Morris, um, uh, it worked for, you know, gotten jobs with publishers in New York, um, worked for record labels. A lot of students have got internships, which is a pretty common next step for, yeah. you know, in, mm-hmm. in, in the industry, uh, students are going on to grad school, um, students, we have a lot of professional musicians in town. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if you, you go hear music, you'll probably, mm-hmm. you know, hear some of our grads that have come through this. And so it really um, offers students a lot of opportunity to kind of find themselves and how they want to be involved. With We've had students working for nonprofits for the Overton Park Shell. Um, um, we, we have graduates, um, uh, New Memphis Institute sometimes, yes. you know. Um, and, and so it really is, um, you know, not a one size fits all kind of thing but these are and, and again the the things that i measure what i grade like i don't grade like we 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 do all this you know we have a record label we have a zine and we we produce we uh, produce respect fest a couple of weeks ago um which was a, a concert for campus that you know has a social justice frame to it um i don't grade respect fest or the records of the I was zines. wondering that about mm-hmm. like the hands-on learning. How so, is, so yeah. we have student learning. How do you pass fail? So we have, stu- <laughs> we have student learning objective. I have to have them, you know, so yeah. um, minor detail in being, but what I, what, you know, is the, the, the objectives that I, that I choose, cause there are objectives on there about measuring how people work together on a team, measuring how people work through, um, uh, um, disagreements. Okay. 
you know, conflict and so the, resolution, yeah, stuff conflict like that, resolution. Yeah. So there, there are measurable ways to do this, and those are that's what I grade. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I, I will. It's great that your team created this. What was the process like? Let's reflect on the process. So it's constant reflection on that, um, and it's 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 sort of like how did we get here? Well, okay, you know, if if we wouldn't have had these people in this room, this idea wouldn't have turned into this, you know, and, and so, and, but, but, and to be intentional about that and see where that is. Um, and you know, that's the, that's the measurable, you know, so, so we're, we're actually grading how they work together versus what they produce, which ends up producing great things actually. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of flips that on its side mm-hmm. to like not grade the kind of finished product, but grade the process. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's pretty good. Well, you mentioned earlier that Memphis is a hub of activity, particularly in the music scene. Can you tell us a bit more about what that's like these days? What are you seeing as you're involved in the music scene, this hub, and how Memphis is more than just the music of the past, but is really the music of now and hopefully the future as well? What's going on in this hub? I think that's exactly right. So Memphis... uh and again, like you just write the sort of history of Memphis, even the surface level history of Memphis, it's like no other city could really do that, mm-hmm. right? Um, but the, the the story of it is really, it's not what was done in the past, but it's always what's being done right now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, my PhD is in music history, um, and I didn't do well in music history or history in general early on. Uh <laughs> But what flipped it for me is, and my students are, will roll their eyes when they hear because I say this all the time. So um, turn it up. <laughs> uh, but uh, so the, the, what, what changed it for me was like history is not what old people did a long time ago. It's what young people did in their own time. Ooh, and these that's young, these young people get older, right? Mm-hmm. And so that, but framing it constantly as because it's the power it's this young energy right that's what changes the world mm-hmm. and it has forever right mm-hmm. it's it's the you look at the core of any movement you know if you take them to the civil rights museum and you know or you know you show them elvis in 1958 or isaac hayes um they were they're not that's not somebody who lived a long time ago mm-hmm. That person is your age in that picture. Yeah. And so that's that that's the thing, you know, how, yeah. you know, so see yourself not don't see it that that's not your grandfather. That's your friend. You, yeah, it's your right, friend doing something time. outside the box and for just, the time. Yeah, and it just, yeah. you know, and so that way in in that way we are we are a part of the history that's going to be, yeah. right? You know. And so it's just a different frame on it, but the scene here um, you know, it's 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 a scene that's always sort of pushing, and the 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 industry here has always been rich about producing musicians. Mm-hmm. There's some infrastructure things that have that have kept it from you know the becoming yeah becoming yeah, what you've seen in some other cities right be, yeah. you know um, and I think that those are questions we can address. And there's always the question about you know not losing sort of the core of what it really is in Memphis music, mm-hmm. like. Um, I'll borrow from Elliot Ives, who's uh, Justin Timberlake's guitar player and Rhodes yeah. grad. Um, Ooh, it's just, uh, something he, he said on an interview we did, you know, he said he travels all over the world with Justin Timberlake. And he said, it's pretty rare that I'll go, I'll hear something better than I could hear in Memphis on a Tuesday night hmm. for five bucks, you know? And it's hmm. just like the music, it's always innovative. It's always pushing the edges of, of music. It's always, it's always developing what's next. And that continues. There's so many great players here. So many great players. Um, and I, I'm really interested in how of keeping that, how to keep that going, 
but also get to where we can pay the people and you know and, and like yeah. so create this act to be a sustainable yeah. music a sustainable industry. living yes yeah and so that we, that 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 is that is a, that's tough instead that's of tough. it being a side hustle it is got to keep it here full time hustle yeah. right. I think one thing we talked a few months ago, we had like Josh Horton on um, from the creative uh, conference. I'm probably butchering the name of that conference. That was in October. But um, he was talking specifically about like managers and things like that, that we didn't have a lot of the infrastructure Mm -hmm. for. And that that's where sometimes you can't wear all the hats as Mm -hmm. you kind of can't be like, um, so I'm a journalism major. So we Mm -hmm. called it backpack journalism then. So it's Mm -hmm. basically being just like a backpack musician. Like you have to set up your gig. You have to play your gig. You have to do social media for your gig. You Mm -hmm. have to promote it. You have to also manage the fees and all that other stuff. And so it just becomes again, a burnout thing. It it becomes a lot. And those are great skills. Like it's great. It's like being able to be flexible is essential because Mm -hmm. the industry is changing daily right yes, you know certainly. um and so you need to be able to adapt um but yeah and you know so the history the city's never had a long a, a really strong publishing industry here and that is actually where a lot of the you know sort of resources go is okay. this sort of you know in, in the music industry um and we have amazing studios that have continued and more studios are getting built and there's an energy around it um um that there hasn't been in a long time um and more, there's more and more that are co- that's coming up right now. And um, uh, but yeah, it, it, it does become something that just it just it becomes a lot, you know. And um, and that's something I share, you know, like with the idea of the Curve Institute and wanting to bring in different people because this is a simplistic example, but in, in, in the music industry, you probably need artists and money people at the same table. Hmm. And if they're both good at what, what they do, they're probably going to disagree on some things. Yeah. You know, if they're both, Fundamentally, right, yeah, if they're both heads, really, yeah. Yeah, really good at what they do, right? But you can come together because the common goal, if we're making a record, the common goal would be to make a record mm-hmm. yeah. or to, you know, create a piece of content or something like that. Um, and the content will be stronger because of that. Because yeah. of all of that, right? And it's not any one person's vision, right? The, the 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 ultimate goal is the result of probably some arguments too, and some yeah. disagreements along the way. Um, but to create a to create um, a space for that to happen, and that that is actually good that that mm-hmm. happens. You know, yeah. I think that's interesting too. It's not just in the simplistic example, I guess, of music, but in all rooms around the city. It's mm-hmm. nice to have that right brain, left brain, and have people with different experience, different backgrounds. And I think that liberal arts education does that. I'm obviously biased also. I went to Stanford University in Birmingham. Yeah. So, um, But I do think that having that difference of opinion, in it does make everything stronger. And I think that if we can, much like you said about kind of changing the way that you view history as not some like old dusty thing, but like your friend doing something really cool and innovative, I think if we could reframe those kind of tense moments and those critical conversations as just getting a better result, I think we'd mm-hmm. all be in a, a much better space for our city. Right. No, and I, 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 I agree. And, um, and I think it's crucial. And it is something that, that gets harder and harder um, as things become more polarized. It's a great day to talk about this. As things become more polarized. Yes. <laughs> um, um, and is, is, is it the tendencies are to sort of shrink back and to, you know, uh, you know, sort of really dig into our own convictions, you know, yeah. to go the other way and to start there. It's like, okay, what's your perspective? This is mine. We don't agree. Let's talk. Let's now let's talk, you know? Mm-hmm. So, 
um, yeah, well, let's have I, that common goal, whatever right, that goal right. is. Um, what would you want the average Memphian to know about the Mike Curve Institute for Music if they haven't heard about it or if they might be confused? Anything that... No, that's a good thing. Uh, for the first thing, the Mike Curve Institute is a part of Rhodes College. So sometimes <laughs> people get, you know, yeah, like, so, you know, there seems, but no, it, it's fully infused with, it, it, it's, it's Rhodes. It's, it really is a manifestation of the approach of the college itself, you know, of engaging young people because Rhodes, fewer than, you know, I think still fewer than 10% of our students come from Memphis. Um, I may have the stats a little bit. It's, Caleb it's a low, is one of them. Do you, do, you, do you know the stats? You probably know. It's about 17%, 17% um, okay, okay. from Memphis for the overall Rhodes So population. only 17%? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's right. a National Liberal Arts Institution. What? It's former admission, Caleb, coming out here. That's right. That's I right. Know, no, no, right? You, yes. yeah, you, yeah, I should, yeah, I should definitely defer to you on the, on the, on the stats, oh, on, stats on all this. My contribution. Um, but, but it's a low percentage of students that come from Memphis, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how many students stay in Memphis? You, you got that? Close to 35 to 40%. Yeah. So a lot of students coming from elsewhere finding that Memphis is home. It's that place where you thought you'd be here for a few years. That was me as well, come mm-hmm. from Austin, Texas, another music city. This is a place where you can actually... Uh, make an impact and find that it's it's kind of sticky in a good way. Like it, it yeah. wants to keep you around and you find that you want to be there too. Also really love those numbers. We should tout them more often. Like Rhodes is actually like Rhodes is a strong pipeline for retaining people to right. the city of Memphis yeah. generally. And it's, and it's been, it's been an intentional thing for a while. And then, so the Curb Institute, like, you know, if you want to think about it as sort of a musical wing of that, you know, so like if, 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 mu- if music in Memphis means something to you on some level, the Curb Institute is a home mm-hmm. for students and for the community. Um, it's, it's a place that, uh, young people are creating great things. It's creating mm-hmm. opportunities for young people. It's digging into some of these stories. It's telling a, a you know a better his, history of Memphis music. Or, yeah. or it's it's not telling. We are we are working with other with so many other people to try to tell a better story about Memphis music um, that is more inclusive and is more uh, is richer. And this we think that the story is even, is even better when it when you really dig into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, yeah, we're we're just. We're just trying to do the good work um, of, with Memphis music there. I'd love to hear it. Um, you've mentioned this throughout our conversation today, but finding the intersection of your work and the new Memphis mission. So to how does the work at the Mike Herbert Institute for Music help develop, activate, and or retain talent to the city of Memphis, in your opinion? Um, so the, the, the Curb Institute and, and roads, roads in general. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we, 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 ho- we find... Some really brilliant people from all over. Um, I mean, you know, people that are much smarter than I was going through college <laughs> or coming through right now, you know. Um, and, you know, we bring them to Memphis and, uh, we, you know, at least for four years, they're going to become Memphians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they might not forever, but for four years, you're a Memphian. And right? at least what, what was that percent again of people who stay? 35? 30, 35 to 40. 35 yeah. to 40. So at least 35 to 40% of them would stay. Yeah. yeah and so, um, and so, and so, yeah, it's, it, 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 I think it, it's, you know, it's it's in concert. The missions are in concert with each other, um, and the and the goals are largely the same. Is that you know, if we can, you know, if we can bring people in here, that some of the some of the some of the challenges that we've talked about, specifically around music, mm-hmm. maybe we're we'll bring in the people who will help us navigate those yeah. right and find the way forward. And so that really that really is the, that really is the hope and the and the, and and the ultimate goal is that you know. 
yeah, yeah. What, what ideas you have? Let's talk about this and let's see if we can figure this out. Yeah. And the work that you guys do adds to the vitality of the city, which means so many more people might find that attractive to, to stay here, road students and others. Yeah. Um, I found that to be my case as well. So mm-hmm. it's great stuff you got over there. Definitely right. one for the pro column. I like it. Oh, yes. The pro check column. The uh-huh. yeah, checkbox. Um, we are going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Memphis is more than just talk. We're making moves to build diversity from the ground up. From the Hattie Lou Theater and the Collage Dance Collective to the Stax Music Academy and the new ballet ensemble, the many faces of Memphis are represented in nationally recognized dance, theater, and music groups. There's a lot to celebrate about our city. Turn your love of Memphis into action by visiting newmemphis.org today. We are chatting with John Bass. Associate Professor of Music and Director of the Mike Curb Institute for Music at Rhodes College, for which my co-host Caleb is an alum, a former employee, and all-around fan. Um, he's a Rhodesian at heart. Uh, what, what are y'all? Uh, Roll links. Ro- okay. We're the links. Okay, the links, whatever. You're a Rhodesian to me. That's, that's fine. Um, and so I am interested to kind of let you take over the mic for a little bit and talk to talk to John about all the questions that you've prepped. Sure. Well, I have um, been very impressed with all the students who've gone through your program. Uh, many of my friends when I was at Rhodes were fellows and have gone on to do great careers in publishing or in music or other things and have always talked fondly about your program. But um, one experience I know has stood out um, to so many of those, that's the connection to the Audubon House, which is kind of a, a more quietly discussed part of Memphis history, but something that's actually really neat. Could you tell us a bit more about what the Audubon House is and how Rhodes got connected to that? Absolutely. So yeah, so the what we call the Audubon House there, it's a there's a house on Audubon Drive, um, so over by the Dixon. Um, and this was a house that uh, Elvis Presley purchased in um, 1956 off the proceeds from Heartbreak Hotel. So if you've seen the new Elvis movie, um, uh, there is um, he cuts Heartbreak Hotel, and then the next scene is he moves into Graceland. Uh, it's a great, I, 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 the movie, I really dug the movie, by the way. So, um, <laughs> Sidebar. Uh, um, uh, yeah, but there's, so he goes to Graceland. Um, within that cut, that scene cut, there's a year. Um, uh, and, um, so he moves to this house. It's the first house he bought for his family. They lived in a lot of other places, mm-hmm. uh, both in Tupelo and in Memphis. Um, it's the first house they owned. Um, and he, um, yeah, he, he made a hit record and bought his parents a house out in the suburbs basically. Um, so that was, that was the edge of town. That was, oh, yes. that was ca- what ca- Collierville would probably it be. It was be even now, further probably. Right, you know? Yes. And so, um, new, new subdivision, a lot of young families moving out there. Um, he lived there for 13 months. Um, and in the 13 months he lived there, he went on the Ed Sullivan show. He recorded Don't mm-hmm. Be Cruel. He recorded Hound Dog. He went on the Dorsey Brothers show. Relatively so, important year for yeah, Elvis so history. So it was a really, you know, yeah. quiet time. Yeah. Right? And, so, and so he was, he went from being this like really interesting up and coming kind of regional performer to becoming Elvis mm-hmm. in that year. Right. I uh, made his first movie when he, when he lived there. Um, uh, the house, it, like it became impossible for him to live there. Like it was, you know, we, we've 
uh, if you go to our YouTube channel, you can see there's a lot of interviews with some of the neighbors that lived there at the time. Most yeah. of them are kids at the time, and remember, like you know, going to play football with Elvis or him driving his oh. motorcycles oh, and I love stuff. It. That's cool. um, but it, you know, th- so there wasn't anybody out there except on Audubon Drive, which is apparently gridlock traffic, 24 hours a day, <clears> trying to see Elvis. Yeah. And so they tried to live there. They, you know, they built some fences and, and things, um, but it just apparently became too much. And, and the they, neighbors were like, yeah, "Yo, you yeah, gotta go." Yeah, and so then <laughs> they, they eventually moved to moved to Graceland. There's a lot of stories around that too. Um, but um, you know, and but when he moved to Graceland, uh, within a year, he was in the army. He went to the army mm-hmm. and sort of was off the scene as a recording artist for about a decade. He came back and made movies, mm-hmm. um, but he really wasn't a you know. So what most people think about early Elvis, you know, was you know, not actually Graceland. It he, was, yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. He did it when he lived in this house. A, a good percentage mm-hmm. of it, um, and. Um, the the house they sold it and the house several other families had it you know some people um, um, knew about the historical significance of it um, at the same time it, uh, fast forward to 2006 at the same time that Mike Curb endowed the pro was working to endow the program at Rhodes um, with a former president Dr Trout um, uh, this house became available um, actually it went on eBay. Um, and, yeah. And, um, there's a lot of, it's a lot of strangeness thing that happened around the, the sale of it. Uh, the original sale was, uh, went through to, to Yuri Geller, who was uh, like a TV psychic guy. If you uh-huh. YouTube and he like, he used to bend spoons with his mind and stuff. So I'm already um, so intrigued. This so is the, a lot. I need another cup of coffee for this yeah. today. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I, I, I won't go down that rabbit hole too, I'll let, 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 let you can go down the rabbit hole. I was about to say, later. I'm starting to Google so, it as yeah. you speak. Um, <laughs> But uh, so Mike Curb stepped in, and he also he also has done a lot of work in historical preservation of spaces, um, you know, in, in you know, places that are, you know, in danger of you know being torn down or mm-hmm. stuff. He has a history of, of saving those, um, and so he bought the house at the same time. Uh, the Curb Foundation um, bought it with the intention of making it a resource for the Curb Institute at Memphis. I mean, the Curb Institute at at, um, at Rhodes. Yes. Um, and um, and so that you know. We have we had Elvis's house and to try to do something mm-hmm. with it, right? I was gonna say, yeah. So what happened then? Uh, I didn't know at first, right? Like I didn't know we had the house until like they took me over there. It, yeah. and like here's Elvis's house. What are you gonna do with it? I was like I don't know what I'm gonna oh, do okay. with it. Um, <laughs> and so again, we you know we like what to do. We had events there and they were all nice, um, but it's the idea of getting students involved um, and uh, we sort of had the idea of doing sort of a tiny desk kind of. Mm-hmm. Re- you know, the interview performance-based thing. We'd have artists there. We produced a show. It ran on some public stations for a little bit. It's on the internet called The Audubon Sessions. It's a really great artist, Bill Frizzell and Roseanne Cash, a pro local hip-hop artist is on there. Um, uh, and, uh, and so we were building this this show around it. And um, and again, like, there was, it, was a, it was a thing with Elvis, right, and how to frame Elvis as... For college kids, hmm. you know, and so Elvis was born. I'll date myself. Elvis was born. The I mean, died the year I was born. So um, I really da- feel like you're just dating Elvis at this point. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> so he's that far removed from my life. Yes. Right, you yeah. know, and so talk, and we're already the old fogies yeah, right, for come, these and Here comes a 19 yeah. year old, 20, 21 year old, and you know, and how and and like, like, yeah. like it's, he, he's almost like a mythical figure right now. Yes. You know, and um, this goes back to something I was talking about too about the, the idea of history, and this is where it really reinforced. But he was 21 when he lived there. Hmm. He was their age 
when he lived there and he did all these things. Right. And again, you know, seeing pictures of him in the house, which is really powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, he's your age. Right. And the idea of he was young, trying to do, trying to be cool, trying to change the world. Right. Which resonates. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what what else is there. Right. You know, um, and rightly so. Um, and so, uh, that was really great, and it be, sort of became a fabric, and it became uh, really was our signature what we did for a long time. Um, um, uh, right, at, uh, almost five years ago, there was um, uh, some really for- unfortunate a- uh, events there. There was um, a pipe burst, and there was some flooding in the house, and then there was a subsequent fire there. Um, the house didn't burn down, but a, a lot of damage on the inside. Mm-hmm. And it's you know it's it's been under the process. Mike and Linda Kerb have been amazing. It's uh, doing renovations there. Um, it's been a long process, um, and so it's been offline for a little while. But it's actually coming back right now. And Ooh. so we had a student do a summer project about reviving it. We did some pilot things there. Uh, uh, we're going to, you know, the idea of, you know, involving students. And, and these, these sessions will be, you know, guest artists that are going to be filmed, produce a you know, produce some content that we will be able to release, um, you know, probably under the Audubon sessions again. And so that's going to be coming out, you know, the next iteration of this will be coming out really, really soon. Um, and it's exciting. And, it, and um you know, that too was a moment where when it went offline, it really was kind of our signature program. Hmm. And it really made us sort of step back and say, well, what do we do now? And the idea of that's, that was another moment where we just really reinforced that it's, it's not about having this house and doing something there. It's really about this community that we're building around that. And what's been great now is that we are reincorporating this amazing resource back into our community yeah. versus building something around a, a unique resource. And yeah. so, you know, we're asking the questions about, you know, we can go back to the con- the shows are great. How can they be better? How, how does this make if something we did in 2014? What does that make sense? How, what makes sense for that now? How can we revise this? How can we make it, you know, something that we just don't do that again? We build from that and we make it relevant. So we're really excited to be there again. Um, you know, it's coming. There's, people are doing some really amazing work over there. Uh, it's it's beautiful. Um, it's different, but it's really beautiful. And it's um, and, and I'm I'm excited that it's now going to be sort of a part of the life of our students again. It's good to hear you retooled it. It's not so much the focus anymore, but you guys got to reimagine yourselves and then reincorporate this this new resource. Yeah, I mean, it's part. It's like asking some hard questions. It's yeah. like, well, that's a gone. I thought. That's what I did. Mm-hmm. And no, it's, it's seeing my own skill sets. It's not, you know, my, this other thing they say is it's not my job or an aspect of the job is not me, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's, it's me bringing myself into these different opportunities, right? And, and that's, that's another thing that I really try to talk about with students. Okay. I like that you're doing what you're challenging the students to do and like, okay, this isn't working. How can we move forward? How can we pivot? How can yeah. we, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if something didn't work, it's not a failure. It's let's let's look at it right yeah. and let's, let's let's understand why that worked you know and so um yeah as you are introducing students to memphis many of whom come from all across the country what are some ways you do that are there particular artists you like to introduce them to beyond just the mainstream memphis music that they might know about how do you introduce them and, and give them those names you said earlier that you can drop in a conversation here and there yeah keep in your pocket names. no for sure so um uh, one thing i do is that you know the the music history and music narratives are like other history. They've, they, you know, they've been written 
from certain points of view, you know, usually mm-hmm. sort of white male points of view yeah. is, is how history gets written, you know. Um, music history is a lot the same way. Um, and so when, I, when I'm talking about, if I have to do like a one, you know, one-time session on just sort of Memphis music or when I introduce a topic, you know, I, I, I talk about, I'll start with the blues and with jazz in Memphis. Uh, the two names I start with are um, uh, Memphis Minnie. Mm-hmm. Um, who was an amazing guitarist. Mm-hmm. Um, she was born um, just south of here in Mississippi. Um, and uh, really from the very beginning um, was pushing against some of the, the gender sort of norms mm-hmm. in, in music. Like she was the lead guitar player in her nice. band, right? Not, and Joe Turner was the singer. So uh-huh. it's like even flipping that sort of just the dynamic of the performative dynamic. Yeah. And then the, the, she wrote When the Levee Breaks, which Led Zeppelin mm. recorded, oh, like yeah. so many great songs. Um, um, and, you know, lived here. And, I mean, Memphis is in her name, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> get more and, and so I start, start with her. Okay. And then I start with another woman, uh, Lil Harden. Um, mm. uh, Lillian Harden was a pianist from here. Um, if you know about her at all, you know about her as Louis Armstrong's second wife. Um uh, Louis Armstrong was the famous jazz trumpeter from New Orleans mm-hmm. who it was arguably the first African-American superstar in music and like mm-hmm. really brought this African-American developments of music to the world, mm-hmm. you know, um, a, extremely important figure. Um, uh, a lot of people will talk about, you know, she made a lot of the business decisions in Chicago that helped position him for what he did. Mm-hmm. But she was also the pianist in his band and she wrote a lot of the early songs oh. from that. So it's, it's her music that like literally, mm-hmm. well, okay, you know, cause, cause jazz in the twenties was like popular music. It was, was the, the music thing. the kid, the parents yeah. did not want their kids to listen to. Right. It was that. <laughs> it was and so music. she's sitting there writing this music and a lot of her music becomes these standards. And so, um, you know, the, 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 that's kind of where I start is that like music and like just the world and culture would not have been the same without the the you know intellectual and creative contributions of two women from Memphis, Tennessee. Hmm. You know, and that we, that's where we start. Yeah, and then we build from there, right? We like we just start with you know we don't you know it's not oh and this was great. It's like yeah. this is you know we're going to start here and then sort of build from there. So it's it's like reframing that narrative from the beginning is is usually how I start. And then um and then then you just open that up for questions with students and it's like this it just goes. So what do you see as kind of the future of Memphis music? Um not asking so much of a genre or any prediction, but what's the hope here um and where do you see Memphis going in, in the musical world? Uh that's a great question. Um, I mean I think I think to look forward with Memphis music is to take a, take a page from the history. It's like it's always been the young people at the forefront. Young people from Memphis have always been doing what's next, mm. right? And I think that happens organically. And I think there's a lot of infrastructure that we don't see, like the like yeah. the church infrastructure, and like there's you know the things that are around that lead to that. Um, um, but you know, my hope is that that continues, but we're able to sort of support that in a lot mm-hmm. better way that, 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 you know, and not make it sort of just so happen chance that, yeah. that it just keeps happening, but that we're, no, this is intentional. Like we produce, we produce really great musicians and we're going to keep producing really great musicians. Sounds good to me. Keep it up. I know. I love it. That's a good question. Good job. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So are you ready sure. for your lightning round? This is stream of conscious question. Answer. Right. First thing that comes to your mind, the song that is currently stuck in your head. Um, electric feel. 
Oh, okay. The last thing that made you smile. Um, I, um, I, 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 I almost, I was making a poster this morning and I almost sent, um, oh, I did send, instead of sending somebody's headshot, I sent their W9. And so the idea of we would have produced a poster with somebody's W9 on it, like. That's horrifying. It is. Yeah. But I actually played out that whole scenario in my mind. You and, know, it's like. Also awesome. an interesting album chuckle. cover. That yeah. Yeah. Funny. Okay. Um, a favorite Memphis record. Uh, Amy Levere's Stranger Me. Your favorite instrument to play other than guitar? Um, I've been taking singing lessons for the last three years because I don't. I want to get better at it. And your favorite song to play? Uh, so uh, my favorite song to play is called Great Dream from Heaven. It's a Joseph Spence song. Um, it was it, My dad was a banjo player, um, and I, 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 he only could, could play one song on guitar, and it was this. Um, and I never learned it because it was a song he played, but uh, w- when he died, I actually learned it and played it uh, at his funeral. Oh. It's become uh, I, 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 now it's part of what I do. So mm. it's, it's it's yeah, it's a song for me. I love that. Mm. Now I'm gonna go cry. Thank you, John. <laughs> Jeez, what, what a morning today! I know we've had. you've taken me on a roller coaster of emotion, <laughs> but I appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us here in the studio today. Um, and go vote, dear listener, if you have not already done it. Yep, go vote, and thanks for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Awesome. Until next week. Bye. This week's episode was made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com.